Hello. We are glad you found us. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to When Life Attacks. Thanks for coming back. My name is James Hamilton, and this week I have a very special guest. I am joined by James Jackson. What's up? How you doing? All right, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Say so we ended up. Uh, I know the show's a little late this week. We usually have it out to you on Tuesday, but unfortunately, my fault. Uh, well, it wasn't your fault. Your his son. We have crazy. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing most of the rest of the country is dealing with this, but uh, James has children. Life happens. Yep, new father, right? Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you have two boys, boy and a girl. Two boys. Two boys. One nine, one two months. You said you said one's nine and one's, one's nine, one's two months. Old. Okay, all right. How's the two month old going? He's good. He's actually good. I'm he's, looking forward to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna be a lot of fun. So your your is your your wife's on maternity leave right now? Yep. And what is that? Uh, is do they provide enough that it's reasonable to expect that you can financially make it through that leave, or is it? No, they don't pay you on on maternity leave. Wonderful. Yeah. No, it's kind of. One of those corporate things, I guess. I don't know. Well, some some do. Some give you like some money during that period, and then if you take extra time, they don't. Others are like, well, good luck. Yeah, they just kind of, <laughs> when you're ready to come back, I'll look at this. All right, so you're in a, well, ready, good luck. So so the expense of having a baby for you is high as hell. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. It's quite costly. So uh, James and I met a long time ago through uh, fans of the show know Blockhead. <clears throat> Mr. Falco, and uh, Matty boy, yep, yep, Matty boy. Uh, he uh, he was on. So he wasn't in our regular episodes, but before I started doing this, we did like thirty shows in beta. I called it, which was just a bunch of practice shows, and we released it to, you know, a couple of hundred people that wanted to listen. And it was, and 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 that that's a couple of hundred people towards the end. <laughs> the right. beginning, it was like <laughs> two or three. Yeah, like would you listen to this, mom? <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> yeah. So he came on the show, and you know we were we were doing our practice show, and 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 so forth, and you know he he has no neck. Yeah, he's all muscle. Right. Yeah, he's just he 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 literally looks like one of those headbangers from um, um, the game. Uh, you know, uh, God, it's you know game. who do? Have you ever seen a long time ago? Well, not that long ago, but uh, it was a cartoon. He Man. Yeah. Remember his homie. With no neck, just yes. no muscles with the little, he used to run into shit with his yes. neck. That's, that's <laughs> Matty. Yeah, that's Blockhead. And he came on the show, and, you know, he talks really fast. And sometimes he's got a Minnesota accent. And sometimes he's from New York. And yeah. <clears throat> he was he was very funny. One of these days I'll have to release that show. But I've tried to get him back on the show. And uh, so anyway, uh, we were at, uh, Scott Angus is on the show quite a bit. And we were at a uh, semi-pro football game. And uh, uh, shortly after that, you and I met. Now, you, James is a is an interesting dude. He uh, he was in a former NFL player, and took 
why I find your story so interesting is that it's it it's so different. Unorthodox. Yes, it's unorthodox. <laughs> My life I'm, is crazy. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I want to talk about your son and why you missed the show because that actually we were just BSing about it and you had some interesting things to talk about there. And then we got some some other stuff we're going to mix into the show. Uh, this week I have nothing to review. There was nothing really new that I I uh, I took in. I uh, I don't know. There wasn't a ton that was offered at the theater this week. I am looking forward to Ready Player One, so I'm going to see that, and we'll probably talk about that next week. A couple other little things, but uh, let's dig into it this week, shall we? Do you watch The Shy? The Shy. It's on Showtime? No, I've never Swear heard of it. I swear to God, I was on Boycott from the shit because I was like, I'm not watching shit about Chicago. It's going to be stupid. Okay. I accidentally watched it. That's probably the best TV show out right now. What's it about? Real life. Real life. Is it centered around, it's, is it like lots of different cast members? Yep, and, it's inner city based. Okay. Um, it deals with uh, the youth, um, kids in it. They uh, age groups range from, I want to say like 9 to 14 high school. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And it deals with a lot of real life issues that uh, inner city youth deal with, but it's not broadcasted okay. worldwide. So you really wouldn't know that these kids really deal with this type of stuff. And it also deals with adults. So in, in this one series, you have three different sets of people that are all intertwined and going through the same similarities. It's a really good show. I sat up and watched one episode, and then I watched all ten of them. Really? Like back to back to back. So I can watch the whole first season? It's already ready. All one right. through ten. On I'm going to queue that up. It's ready. Uh, that's that, that real talk. I watched Power. And I watch that show. Other than that, I don't even watch TV unless it's sports center. Or the news, <laughs> CNN, and some shit. I don't have I don't time. even watch TV unless Scandal, it's... Scandal, I'm not finna watch all that shit. I don't know nothing about the president. The president's supposed to have foes. He the president. Right. If I got two or three, he probably got four, five hundred. <laughs> he the president. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> well, he's not He's not supposed to be actively paying off porn stars. Yeah, that, but see, that's, that's a new wrinkle. That's that, but then again, you got to look at who we got. Yeah. See, yeah. I tell people all the time, just because you have a star athlete doesn't mean he's a good person. True. Doesn't mean he's a cool person to hang out with. It just means he's good at playing football. Yeah. Just because Donald Trump is a good businessman or, and he was elected president, that don't mean he's not a trick. <laughs> he's going to pay for it. He can't. He might not can get it. Like, you feel, you know, you never know. Yeah, his wife doesn't seem surprised by it at all. She's just like, That's and? how he got her. <laughs> oh, no. Think about it. She's a beautiful woman from Russia, right. a model. What yeah. are you doing with Donald Trump? Yeah. Fam, we could probably go to Cub Foods up the street. No homo. We could find a gentleman that looks a lot better than Donald Trump. Yeah. But come on, man. It's the money. The money helps. It helps every, it's immensely. Think about it. Gives you a very... If I take off right now and I go down Lake Street in a Toyota 4Runner, it's a nice vehicle. Mm-hmm. Reliable, dependable. No female is probably going to pay me any attention in a forerunner. True. But if I come back in the Phantom convertible, we have a whole different selection committee at that point. <laughs> that's the, that's yeah, yeah. It's I hate to agree with you, it's but the it's truth. really it is the truth. There's I'm a, telling you because there's a lot of have nots. So if you see a have, you want to join the haves. It's a quick way to make the jump. Men the or women. The world is full of have nots. Yeah, Trump for whatever reason. Through his dad, or good fortune, or good He's sense. Been rich his whole life. I mean, you could say a lot of negative things about the president, but the dude did it. 
Like you could call him an idiot. You this you and that. He's, there, say. Right. he's he's the Fucking man. President. He knows he shit that we don't know. <laughs> know you tell an idiot some shit that we don't know. He's not an idiot no more though. I think it just personally reflects poorly on me. You know, you look at the guy and you're like, Jesus, you're president. God, I'm really behind. Man, do you know that the like the foreigners overseas are laughing at this man? Like oh, yeah. the United States is like a joke right now. The whole wide world. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I never thought I would see the day when people say shit like. He's not our president. Like, they didn't say that shit about Obama. And he was black, and that was, like, a major big deal in the world. Like, it wasn't that many people that were really, like, it's a lot of shit that's happened. Do you know how many people Trump have had to fire and rehire? I've never even heard of that in the White House. It's been some turnover. Usually when the president gets hired, like, his people, they there until he leaves. Yeah, his cabinet's usually set. That's, That's it. Like, okay, you today, you be the leader of defense. Oh, I don't want to do that no more. Well, you got treason and people are being called into the FBI office. You finna go to prison. Yeah. Nobody want that shit. You see what happened to old boy, don't you? Which? The one, the first, the first set of two that got caught. It was two dudes that got caught first with the communications with the Russians, the emails and shit. Yeah. 13 years, he's looking at? Jesus. Oh, he's going to tell. He's yeah. telling it right now. Oh, yeah. Right, like right now, right now. Yeah, it's, there's definitely sort of a, a witch hunt. It's all, it almost reminds me of the Red Scare when, you know, we were bringing people in, in the 50s to see if they were communists. It's it's definitely going down right now. It's a lot of wild shit. So if, if you know he wants to offer you a job, you're kind of like, whoa, <laughs> your things are I a mean, little unless hot. you ain't scared yeah. of jail. Yeah. New hire though, you could you could claim. You I, could just, I just walked I don't know in. shit about this. I just got here. Yeah. I was high. I don't. <laughs> Some people getting high, man. I don't care what nobody said. That's why they're tripping over the weed. They don't want everybody to have it. Yeah, well, it's just a big money maker. All right, we're gonna. I, I want to get people to. You're an, you're an interesting dude, and I want you to tell where where'd this start? Where did where James start? I originated in Texas. That's what they told me. But I don't. I don't. I, I remember life in California. Okay. So, what um, age did you go to California? I think I was like a month and a half old. Okay, so, so no, I'm you don't remember Texas. California. But um, you technically are a Texan. Yeah, but see, most black people are. If you ask the average black man, he's going to tell you you're from Texas. Why? I don't know. Never figured that out. But it's a lot of black people <laughs> from Texas, man. Real talk. It's a lot of black people know. from Texas. Man. So you lived in California for how long? I lived in California for, I stayed there when I was one month old. I left California when I was 19. Now, so the my whole, whole basically time. life, yeah, my whole virtual life. I was, Just a regular suburbs kid? Nah, man. I was, the suburbs was far-fetched. I was in the hood. You were in the hood. Yeah, it's urban community. It's a shithole. The projects. You feel me? Where it's going down. Man. I like the difference in how we say those things. You're like, I was in the hood. And I'm like, so you were in the hood. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. It's funny. Where, where, where in California is the hood? Now, there's many hoods. There's scattered out. Any any city or state you go in is going to be a hood. Uh, the, the, I was in Palm Springs. That place will fool you because it's known for uh, uh, financial wealth and glamour and glitz and it, it does have those all those things and the majority of people that are there are very well to do they're well off but there's a section that there's exactly the opposite and that's where I was at yeah isn't that where everyone's wanting to retire it's either Florida or Palm Springs I mean if if you had enough put away where you could actually just do that that would be an awesome place it's hot there all the time I mean right now it's cold and it's 60 that's still way warmer than where way we're at. Way warmer. So, I mean, year-round is 100. For older people, it's a lot of elderly people there. Okay. They move from all over the country because of the weather, they say. The heat helps their body. 
So <laughs> you, you grew up there and you grew up in an obviously economically challenged neighborhood. Uh, was it, uh, you grew up what time frame? What time frame are you there? Are you there when gangs are hot? Oh and heavy? man, yeah, we was. I was in the in the zone in the eighties. You know what I'm saying? Like I was right there in front of the center. So I was born in '79. Um, so by the time I actually knew what was what, it was about like maybe '85, '86. Shit was active. I was stayed on the corner. You know what I'm saying? So the where my house was, literally like ten steps, and you were on the corner, and that's where everybody hung out at. So all the gang banging, the drug dealing, and like real shit. I used to like realistically go in the bathroom and like look out the window and watch this shit happen. Like I seen so much out this bathroom window. It was crazy. So I'm comfortable with you. You and I are, are buddies. So I can ask you questions that are, you know, other, other people might, might not ask. But uh, is that environment due to people just simply not wanting to get a job or not wanting to work? Or is it because they can't get employment? Man, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I grew up, and it's like a lot of the people that I grew up with, the attitudes that they have come from within, like meaning from the home. Because to be honest with you, look how I turned out. I grew up in the shit, and I came out pretty cool. <clears throat> I don't have a super ghetto attitude. I know how to talk to people, uh, conduct myself, things of that nature, but... A lot of people that I grew up with just had a genuine, like, fuck it for life because of they, their home environment. You got to understand, like, every day you get up, you don't have shit. So what does getting up in the morning in the hood consist of? You get up in the morning, you probably got fresh underwear, wash socks, wash drawers. In the hood, you don't have that shit. You may have the same socks that you had on last night. You got to put them back on. You know what I'm saying? You may have to recycle your shorts. You know what I'm saying? Because you just don't have no money to wash the clothes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you get up in the morning and ain't nothing to eat, so ain't no breakfast. You know what I'm saying? We're not worried about breakfast. We're trying to get up to get the bus to go to school so we can get to school to get the free breakfast or the free lunch. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So you get up in the morning and you put your clothes on and your shit's dirty, it's unironed, it's unhip, it's unpopular because it's just what you could get. You know what I'm saying? And then you go to school and you see these other kids they parents dropping them off in BMWs and their dads got suits on going to work and their mom, you know what I'm saying, is dressed properly. And your mom just barely making it. You feel me? You just coming from your house and you dirty and, and you go to school with a fucked up attitude. Like sure. it make you feel like, man, fuck this. You're like, I'm fucked up. Like I'm not right. Like, and then you looking at this dude across this white kid across the table, he got everything. Right. And he looking at you like, man, what's wrong with you? It well, you get different. You know, I just I feel like I grew up with different sides of the story, and I, you know, it it is hard to reconcile because your your first impulse is to say, you know, it's hard for me too. I have to get up. I have to give a job. Nothing's given to me, and you're so especially right now. I mean, you can go to the science museum, and they'll sit five and seven year old kids down at a table and teach them what white privilege is. Right. You know, and that on its own, I mean, I understand that from, from a point of point of view where you're sitting there looking at the kid and he doesn't understand, you know, what he has, but on the other side of it to take a five and seven year old and teach him that there's a racial difference is equally fucked up. Cause right now kids were growing up without thinking really seeing the color lines as well. Right. Because that's what we work so hard on. And now we've gone back to saying, 
well, you're white and you have an advantage. I just want you to know that, you know, you're almost teaching them a superiority complex from go. That's true. That's very odd. So when you're talking about your experience, uh, so I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, <clears throat> we had a lot of kids that weren't black, but were white. And you could see that they were being given special tickets for lunch and, you know, mom or dad might have gotten a divorce and the, the clothes, they had maybe three different outfits for clothes for school and stuff. And they didn't have it easy. It wasn't fun. Well, see, that's the thing about it. It's like at the end of the day, we all are given the, a similar or same opportunity. Your backdrop may be different from mine, meaning your family may be better off than mine. But at the end of the day, it's up to me to do what I got to do to provide to make it better for myself. You see what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is that you have to have an attitude to understand that. Mm-hmm. And most most kids in the urban community, man, they've been through so much at such a young... You got to understand, like, it doesn't even just start with, with getting dressed going to school. You got to understand that. What about when school's out? You know what I'm saying? Like, you come home to your mom off the bus, she in the house waiting for you. Son, hey, how's it going? How was school? You know what I'm saying? How was your day? Okay, okay, well... What's your homework at? You know what I'm saying? Let's get your homework done. You know, dad means, okay, well, we're going to go to the gym after this, you know what I'm saying, and watch sports together. Well, in the hood, it's just not like that. You come home, it might not be nobody home. And it's not because mom at work, nigga. Mom might be down the street getting high. True. And that's just the reality of the, of the shit. You feel me? Like, you got to understand, like, a child needs structure and a positive attitude. He got to see something positive. Kid, we going to go by what we see. The human nature of a person is to adapt to what they see. Smoky see, monkey do. Like, that's what really happens in the world. That's how you get fashion and style. If Puff Daddy put on a fucking silver shiny suit, it's going to be a thousand motherfuckers that follow Puff Daddy that's going to want the same shit because they saw him do it, not because they decided to do it. You see what I'm saying? They they may have seen it ahead of time but wouldn't do it because they didn't think they could pull it off until they saw him do it. And he makes it okay. So what I'm saying is the the provision is if you have a positive attitude or a positive figure and your attitude, you can see past what what, what you're dealing with, you got, a, you got a chance. You know what I'm saying? Like for me personally, like my big homies in my neighborhood, and when I say big homies, I mean I'm, I'm from a gang. It's just where, the way it is. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really have a choice in that because of where I'm in my, my environment. So – Big homies are the ones that are older than you that look out for you and they tell you things to do, what not to do, but a lot of times they tell you the bullshit to do because they don't want to do it. That's just how that goes. But they always told me that you you have had ambition since the day I met you, meaning like I'll be the kid on the corner with nothing talking about I'm going to get a Lamborghini. And right. these niggas looking at me like, nigga, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like, boy, you don't got shit. So you're indoctrinated into a gang because, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, a lot of these poor neighbors, neighborhoods are sort of self-policing. Yeah, the police won't come in our head. And a gang is a nice way of saying that that's sort of your, I mean, that's sort of your city council. And honest, all actuality, it goes like this. Nine times out of ten, you're going to be from wherever you live. Okay. Um, this Savage, you're going to be from whatever gang is in Savage because you live in Savage. You can't be from my hood and I live in Eden Prairie and you live in Savage. They're going to catch you and kill you or beat your ass. 
<laughs> what? Yeah. If if you live if okay, in California, right? It's Bloods, it's Crips, and it's Latinos, right? Those are the three major three majors in California. You got the Blood Gangs, which is mostly black. You got the Crip Gangs, which is mostly black. And then you got a bunch of offset gangs that are well respected that are Hispanics. And they run their own shit too. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is if I'm a Crip and my friend is a blood and he lives six streets over in a blood neighborhood, I couldn't live in that neighborhood being a Crip. How if long I does that up, go? Like how long does that, that at what point do you stop? grow out of that? And see, that's the thing, you don't. But what you do is you grow into respect. You see what I'm saying? Like right now in LA, when I first moved from California, I wouldn't wear no red. No red. Couldn't catch me in nothing red. Okay. Now I love red. It's one of my favorite colors. I wear red shoes, red hats, because I've grown to respect the gang, not to gang bang. There's okay. a difference. You see what I'm saying? Like a lot of the older cats, realistically, you grow out of the shit when, when, when the judge starts sentencing your homies to 10 and 15 years for this shit, and they're not playing, and they put a gang enhancement on you. So that means, like you said about the points earlier, if you get in trouble, let's say, let's say I, I, I rob a house. Right, I get caught, and they see a gang tattoo on me. Right, my mm-hmm. hood is tattooed on me. Well, now in the state of California, they're gonna give you the charge for the two eleven, which is the the home invasion, and then they're gonna turn around and give you a gang enhancement, meaning they're gonna charge you with possibly another seven to ten years just for rep- your representation of a gang, being a gang member. Then they put you on gang file. I really don't want to pay for that as a taxpayer. Just so you know, you, you, you rob somebody's house and I'm going to now support yeah. you for 17 years. Man, do you know, I just read an article and they said that um, for one prisoner to go to prison for a year, it now costs more than to send a motherfucker to Harvard for a year. I'm just over it, dude. I'm over it. You know, we privatized the prison system. You know what that means? Yeah. Michael Jordan is one of the main motherfuckers in that. They was very mad at him for that. That's but on some real shit, I'd, and, and, my opinion on that is different probably from a lot of people because I don't um, look down on him or discredit him for that. You got to understand that Michael Jordan is a man just like you and me. He's a businessman. So if that's where the business is going to lead me to be able to take care of my family, first and foremost, you got to understand it's not Michael Jordan's fault that niggas is doing what they're doing. Jordan had it just as hard as anybody else. His family structure was a little bit better. Yeah. But at the same time, he still had to say, if Michael Jordan didn't put forth the effort and the work, he wouldn't be Michael Jordan. He saw that when he got cut as a sophomore. The what, what I for those of you that don't know, the a few years ago they changed the way that our national prison system is going to work, and you would go to state or federal prisons that were paid for by the state or the federal government. And uh, when they privatized them, that meant that you could start a corporation, build a prison, and then charge the state or the feds to house prisoners. And that kind of changes the game because now these prisoners are for profit. And, and I, I have a, a guest coming up uh, in, in the next couple of weeks who's going to talk to us about what it was like to be in federal prison. And he always told me that uh, he'd much rather go to a private prison because they're clean, the food's better, and they bring other people in than to be in a state or federal prison. So from his vantage point, he was like, well, if I've got to go to prison, I'd rather go to a private prison. But I'm trying to tell him, you know, once you have prisons for profit, that's kind of a... that's. It's not the Modern way correction should be. Yeah, it's kind of, you know. 75 a day, man. They're getting $375 a day or something like that. 
per prisoner. Jesus Christ. That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of money. That's man. a lot of dough. Think about that. A day. So how did you get out of, you know, I mean, you, you went, to be able to survive it was one thing. Did you lose a lot of friends when you were younger to gun violence or gang banging or being a... I'll be honest, I lost a couple friends to to gun violence and gang uh, activity, but the majority of the friends I lost was in the penitentiary right now. They doing, like I got a buddy that I grew up with, ran track with, my first track meet ever with, and now he doing shit. He's been in there for like the last 15, 20 already. Fuck. So he probably got another, I think they say they got even another 13. And one of my boys went in there for four and wound up doing shit. Thirty-seven, I think he wound up killing him in there. So a lot of my friends is is incarcerated, more so than you know, physically passing away. But it's damn near the same thing. You yeah. take a person away from your environment for so long, and you become non-existent anymore. It's like you did. And by the time he comes out, he's not going to be the guy you knew. He don't know how to work a cell phone. Right. You understand? He went to jail in like nineteen. 89. Yeah, not, not even a pager. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> That's when we was pager. playing with pagers. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's what was, that, that was next, the pager. He don't even know. iPhone will completely fuck his life up. <laughs> That's not <laughs> funny, but it's kind of <laughs> funny. And so how did you get out? By the grace of God, man. I have a, a praying mother, and I just always, I was always the type of kid that I just knew that it was more than this shit. Like, I just knew that it was more to life than this, this this shit I was living in. And then a lot of it was, I was blessed athletically. I was athletically gifted like my whole life. I was doing shit that I probably shouldn't have been doing. When did that come out? When did you realize that you were built different? When I was uh, in eighth grade, in eighth grade, we went outside to play basketball and I just started dunking on a 10-foot rim in eighth grade. Fuck you. Like, God, I dislike you. I swear to God. It was like, man, this nigga can dunk in eighth grade. You, like, are you crazy? Do you know how many times I've just I've I I mean I have I have to lower the hoop which is embarrassing, <laughs> and and even then you know I have to do it so other people aren't watching just so I can have the thrill of dunking the oh, basketball man. and you're fucking doing it at, in eighth grade. Man, look, I used to this no lie, and people who know me from Palm Springs will attest this. I used to could walk in the gym in flip flops, jean shorts, my backpack on. I go grab the ball, stand in front of the rim. And jump straight up and dunk it with two hands. I could turn, jump straight up, turn backwards, and dunk it with two with two hands. We are less of friends right now. Because <laughs> of that. Nah, I did, that I, that was that was my like I, I always tell people like um, football saved my life, literally, hands down. So it wasn't basketball, even though you're, nah, you're touting basketball. basketball. That was my first so you went in the too. in the that gym and love. jammed, and everybody was like, "Holy shit!" Man, I'm talking about I was doing it to the level where like it was ridiculous. Like, I had a lot of college scouts come. Bob Huggins came to recruit me from uh, Cincinnati. I had scholarship offers from UCLA, Cincinnati. But my uncle, he told me not to play basketball. Don't, because he said, you're too small to play basketball. You, you're you not a guard. Number one, I was a forward. In high school, you can get away with that. Right. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, when you start you talking about going D1 and, you know what I'm saying, these niggas like six, 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 seven. Like, what am I going to do, six, one? I could jump out the gym, but... By the time I get up there, shit, he just—I'm just jumping to him. He's six eight. You know and what your, I'm your uncle was a realist. He was a real person. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, he told me he's like, you—you should—you should focus more on football. He's like, you're really good at that. You fast. And then I start playing football. How fast were you? 
Um, I was about a four, 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 low four, four guy. Okay. Never hit the four, three mark. But then again, I was 215 when I was playing football. Really? Yeah. When I was when I was in my prime playing football, I was two fifteen running a four four. So you were just cut up. I was fast, yeah. Was, cut up and getting. fast. And so you, you let's we're getting ahead of ourselves. So you're in eighth grade. You're you're killing it. You realize you're athletically gifted. But, one, but that's weird because when I was in eighth grade, I didn't realize it though. Like okay. I just went to dunk the ball. Like it was a line of guys, just everybody's trying to dunk the ball. I'm like, let me see if I can do it. And I just went up and did this shit so easy. They was like, man, are you serious? Do it again. Like, do it again. Like the whole playground went crazy. Like this nigga can dunk a ball. So then we got to, I decided, okay, I'm going to play Pop Warner. This is the worst mistake I ever made. I was terrible. Pop Warner just, you know, what is that? Neighbor, it's tackle like, football. It's like peewee tackle football. Peewee football. Okay. I, I had my son. I took my son. He played his first year last year. I was terrible, scared to death, didn't want no parts of contact, nothing. I never thought I'd play football ever in my life. And then it was weird because uh, my summer of my freshman, coming up freshman year in yep. eighth grade, a friend of mine named Derek Pine um, was like, man, what you doing today? I'm like, man, I'm not doing nothing. Playing some video games. He's like, man, this, let's go to football practice. Let's go to tryouts. So we going to go to the same high school. I'm like, tryouts for football? I'm like, man, I'm not going to play no football. He's like, man, let's just go to trials. We don't got nothing else to do. I'm like, all right, buddy, come on, let's go. So I went to tryouts, and it was just weird, man. Like, it was like a light just came on. And the first day I stepped on the field at the tryouts, it just, it just went crazy. Like, how, how much better were you than everybody else in the field from a physical a standpoint? Were I you? was way faster, way faster, bigger, faster. I wasn't very strong because I never lifted weights. But I was fast. So they would give me the ball. It was gone. I think I broke our freshman record for rushing touchdowns. And see, I had like 22 touchdowns <laughs> my freshman year. You was, understand that's like every kid's dream is to to walk out onto a field. doesn't matter what level it is and just to dominate it. But see, to me it wasn't because that was – see, I didn't look at it like that. You see what I'm saying? I looked at it like these people telling me, like, if I do good at this shit, like, they're going to take me from here and put me, and then they're going to take care of me so I can play more football. And then I could possibly come back and move my mom from me. Like, okay. That's how I looked at it. I didn't look at it like, I just want to go dominate because I'm going to be good. Like I looked at it like, like I got to do this shit because if I don't do this shit, I know what I'm going back to. You put a totally different spin on football. So for me, right, uh, I'm thinking be awesome, the girls – the the popularity, the dominance on the field, and you're like, I just really, really like to have, you know, meals paid for and oh, really? to not be under Man. the stress of poverty. And that's like a totally different way to look at high school no, football. I'm telling you, like, I never, the popularity part, I never want to be popular because I'm, I'm like a reserved person. I don't like being around large groups of people. I don't like lots of people looking at me at one time. That's why it was easy for me to play football because I have a helmet on. I don't have to worry about people looking at me all the time. When I got to college, it was the most terrifying feeling in the world because there were so many more people than in high school. I feel like I was in a fishbowl playing football. You cannot tell me that the whole high school doesn't watch a kid rip off 22 touchdowns and because there's people there that are looking at you. No, I know. Like, you're going to take them with you. Take me with no, you. No, yeah, it was like that. But what I'm saying is, like, it was like I never sought after or seek popularity. Like, I was the dude where... And this real shit, like I was a kid where 
if it was like a super cracking party, like look, this is fuck you up. I've never been to a dance, a school function in my life. Not a prom, a senior. I couldn't tell you what the inside of none of that shit. I've never been to one. And you were from a smaller school. Yeah. I've never been to weren't people on you like, hey, yeah. you're the you're the man. Man, they had one time they was gonna nominate me prom queen king or some shit. I didn't even go. I swear to God, that's my only I don't want none of that. Like, did you have a did you have none. a girlfriend in high school? Yeah. Or did you have many girlfriends? I mean, in high I school? had a girlfriend in high school. You know what I'm saying? I had you. Know, I had my my situations, but it was like I didn't. No, 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 no. That's what everybody does when they talk like, oh, I had you. No, no, no. We're, I had my main girl, right? And then I was like, you know, I had fans, so to speak. Fans, fans. You know what I'm saying? Tell like, me how like, amazing that is. Because when you're a 17, 18 year old boy with that kind of opportunity, is it amazing? Is it a crazy thing? It's this definitely. It's the shit that like it really happens. Like to be honest with you, I didn't go. I don't think I went to school in high school from like my junior year or my senior year. Really, you didn't have to go because you were a star. Real talk. Uh, the privileges you get are real. I can tell you that. Um, I went to. I used to show up at school in the morning, and then I would leave with my boy, which was our quarterback, and we'd go to the barbershop and hang out pretty much all day. And then we'll come back six period for sports PE when we had to watch film or get ready for practice. That was that was like my high school. So you didn't have to show up for school. Now I, I was able to work that out too, but it was a little different. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. Uh, how about socially? What is so? I mean, you had a girlfriend, but how is that when I mean, because there's girls zeroing in on you. Oh yeah, all the time. That, that was challenging. Um, it honestly, it was cool. As it, okay, the times when I could say that the popularity was cool, like if I'd be with my mom somewhere in, in the mall or something at the grocery store, and then people would come up to me and be like, oh, "You're James Jackson? Like, is that your mom? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then it, it would be because it would pride me to make my mom feel the sense of like, you know, what I'm saying like my son has done something. Like all this shit I went through wasn't for nothing. You know, what I'm saying like he's people recognize my son. So, like, for that matter, and then, like, people would show my mom so much respect when she would come places because they all knew that I was my mom. So, for that, like, it did. But so, if like, personally, like, I didn't really, honestly, man, I didn't really care. Like, honestly, like, my whole goal, my whole focus was not on the fame, the girls, because that shit came. Like, if you're good at something, if you're if you're overly good at something, all that's going to come. You just have to know how to manage it, I guess, like you said. You could say. And for me, it was like, I didn't really have a lot of time for a lot of women because my lights was off. You feel me? Like, I didn't have electricity at my house. So, like, I literally lived, like, and by 6.30, you better have a lot of the shit that you got to get done done because ain't no be no lights. Is that com- Was that common where you were from where someone would have water and someone would have lights and you wouldn't often have both? Or were yeah, you we'll on the off lower end of that spectrum? Well, I was actually on the lower end of the spectrum. The majority of people that grew up around me, like, for the most part, they fathers was in their life. You know right. what I'm saying? As best as they could. But my mind wasn't, and I had my uncle, but my uncle was sick with sugar diabetes. And so he got sick, and then my mom got sick too. So I was at the lowest because I was just me. You feel me? So it, it came to a point in life where I was taken care of. Like I was an adult at a really early age because I was doing adultly shit at like 16. Like I didn't go to school my sophomore year at all. Like I didn't go to high school at all my sophomore year. Because I stayed home to take care of my uncle. He had just had his leg amputated. And he had to go How old was he? Uh, 57. 57. Sugar diabetes. Yeah, sugar real bad. You know what I'm saying? So when that happened, I just basically stopped going. To, I didn't even care about school no more. Because my uncle was like my heart. Like he raised me like my dad. You know what I'm saying? So 
that was the reason why I actually stopped playing football overall because my uncle passed away. And so I just stopped playing. Like, I'm cool. I don't want to do this shit anymore. And I just stopped. You're, so your 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 mom, is your mom still with us? Yeah, she's still That's good. And she's healthy? And I mean, nah, her health is not good. See, when I was a sophomore in high school, well, when I was as the year early in my sophomore year, because I didn't go, my uh, mom had an aneurysm. Oh, shit. So she almost died. So then when she, thank God she didn't die, um, she was in the hospital for like seven months. Uh, and then like four months into the seven months that she was in the hospital, my uncle had to have his legs amputated. Both or one? Both. Jesus. Yeah. So then. Um, so he didn't have medication or anything leading up to that because no money. So he was nah, just yeah, trying just to self-manage trying to, it. Yeah. And then he he was a veteran, though. So he went to the VA hospital and then he had gangrene, what it was. And the gangrene had spread. <clears throat> so they had to take off both his legs. So this is a whole new situation for me. Like, I wake up one morning, my mom, time, my mom almost died. I got to go to the hospital, sign these papers, because the doctor, like, you the next of kin. And if something happened, you got to sign the papers for the surgery. You're 16. 16 years old, straight up. Do you have siblings? No, only child. Just Jeez me Louise, my man. And I got my aunt, you know what I'm saying? And so my aunt. Um, so where's their money coming into the family? If your mom's not working and your uncle's not working, how are you guys paying bills? That's why you from the gang, man. You gotta, you gotta get. I was outside. Okay, you so what I'm saying I've been hustling for. You know what I'm saying that's what I did. Now the gang take care of you because you were. I mean, they could see that you had, you had it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. Um, my gang experience was not like typical gang experience, meaning like I didn't have to run around with guns and do all that shit. Like it was like the big homies just like, okay, like nigga, look, you got opportunity to really get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like we see the shit that's on the news, like. It's in the newspapers. Like, you got a chance to get me and another dude named Bishop Miller. And this dude was like my big brother. He like raised me and shit. And me and him, he also had the same chance I had. He was a great athlete. Like, this is the dude I learned and watched a lot of the shit from. And he wound up getting a full scholarship to the University of Washington out of the hood. So they basically cuffed me and was like, you know, you're not going to, you still participate, but when shit get, you go. And that's just kind of how it was. So they made a way for me to get my money to be able to take care of the things I need to take care of. And that's where the financial came in because my mom couldn't work. Like you said, she's six months in the hospital. You can't, nobody's going to keep you on a job. So 16, you got to pay the bills. And they give you an opportunity to do it without really getting your hands dirty. And then they say, hey, go to practice, go back to school. Here's your, Here's what to do. And when does your mom come back to life when is she able she to start back. doing shit again um she she wasn't really able to after that she came out of the hospital um if you've ever had aneurysm you know that that's that's like with your brain so her she had constant migraine headaches real real bad um like all the time um depression. she can't really focus it's depression um, anxiety fear that it's going to happen again yeah, and she have strokes like a lot of stuff seizures you know what i'm saying like so her health is not good at all so who takes care of your mom now? My mom is there. I have a nurse that goes to um, take care of my mom and my aunt. Are they still in Palm Springs? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So they're 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 still there. And yeah, you're, they're still there. That's uh that's a lot at uh, at high school. So you're I mean there's not a lot of kids stepping onto the football field with that much weight on their shoulders. And see that's why I didn't look at it like it was like a super. You feel me? Like it, yeah. It wasn't like I didn't have time. I, I tell my girl all the time like. 
I do a lot of shit now that I probably should have did a long time ago. And it's not because I'm, it's because I, I didn't have a chance to do it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you were in the club hanging out with your friends when you were 16, partying, having student numbers, you were 17, you got prom pictures, you know. I didn't do none of that. In prom, I was on the block hustling for prom. <laughs> Real shit, I had a pound of weed and it sacked it all the way up and I had to get $1,000 for rent on prom. Like I didn't give a shit about renting no tuxedo. Right. I'm trying to pay this electric bill. I'm tired of walking to the bathroom with a candle. That is total. I mean, it's, real shit. it's, it's hard to swear to God to qualify. Yeah. When I think of, because you know, <clears throat> there were times my parents were entrepreneurs where we would have crazy stuff going on, but it wasn't anything to that level. Bro, it wasn't anything like that. Look, the house I used to live in, right, is on a corner. Like it was like a raised hill. The house set on the corner. Well. The, the street right here in front of it, it, I call it the main line. That's where all the dope selling and the gangbang is going on at. Across the street from my house is another apartment complex. This is the dope spot. Okay, now you got dope spot, got my crib on the little hill right across the street from the dope spot, the main line. You got the other cross street. One night, that's no lie, crackhead comes through the hood, buys some bad dope. I'm in the house sleep. Everybody in the house sleep. Well, my room sits like right here. There's a driveway. And there's a wall. And when I was telling you guys about the the window, I used to see all the shit out of it. It's right there where my room was right there. So you're facing the main line? I'm facing I'm no, I'm facing the side of the, the main side, line. The side street to the, the main street. To the okay. main street. Well, the dude comes back, realizes his dope is bad. Now he's pissed. He's swerving through the streets trying to find a dude who's sold in the bad dope, cussing. What the fuck? The man loses control of his car, comes up the ramp, and if there had not been for the trash can that he hit and swerved, he he would have ran right into my bed and right into my in, in, into my room. I noticed because he hit the trash can, swerved over across the street and ran into the man's house mm. while he was in his living room watching TV and wound up breaking the dude's leg. So like my hood is crazy. Like I've been through Lucky for crazy you. shit. Yeah, Lucky for, real. for you. For real, I've been through a lot of crazy stuff. So scouts come. What's that like? What's it like to be scouted? We had, uh, so my friend uh, two shows ago, who's also a recruiter, was a Division II football player. And he was talking about what it was like to get a Division II scholarship. And, you know, he got, he got school. He, like, got books and classes. He didn't get, like, a full ride. Yeah. What happened with you? That shit is amazing. I'm not going to lie. That was the most fun. That, I, if I, that, was, that was fun. I mean, these people treat you like... You are like the only person that matters on earth. Where'd you go? I wound up going to the University of Florida A&M because my mom made me go there. And when I say that, she signed my letter of intent for me, and I didn't have a choice because I was going to stay home and go to San Diego State with Bishop or go to USC, where I really wanted to go. Your mom sent you away, far away from her problems. You were really what was supporting the family. What was it like to leave knowing that the family wasn't going to be supported? That shit was tough, but... It, it, I didn't, it was, it was one of them situations where I didn't really, I just knew I had to go. Okay. You know what I mean? And I, when I got there, I, well, I knew that I would have money to be able to help out at home. How do you know that? Because they tell you. They tell you. Man. So how much, how much of college athletics would you say is guys surviving on the little tiny stipend they get from the NCAA? 
Uh, I would say about 75%. And the reason why I say 75% because you have to be honest and look at it. If you take a roster of 56 football players, you're only going to have nine guys that's, that's all the way ready. You know what I'm saying? That's like really, really doing something. You know what I'm saying? So, those guys get paid. Yeah. The, when, they, when, they, when they said when you play good, they pay good, that shit starts all the way at college. <laughs> so when you see you see all these reports where, like, there's an investigation in the NCAA to see if so-and-so is getting paid, you just laugh to yourself? Yeah. I'm like, damn, they got caught up. Yeah. Like, they, they pissed somebody off because everybody's getting paid. Everybody and this school money. did something that they don't want to put in the press, and they're saying it's something else. Some, usually when that comes out, somebody didn't get their part or somebody didn't fulfill their obligation on that end. Like with the Reggie Bush shit, that only came out because Reggie Bush didn't sign with Dude when he was when he came out of the draft. Mm-hmm. Had he signed with Dude, we wouldn't know nothing about that shit. We wouldn't know about the cars and the houses. And I mean, the if you had if you had eyes and you were at USC, you could see this nigga when you came to school and didn't have nothing, and then like you start running this ball, and all of a sudden you got this new car. All of a sudden you on the cover of a magazine. All of a sudden you got a four thousand dollars stereo system in your car, Reggie. Now your mom got a brand new crib. Damn. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like the transition, this shit happens. Like it, and it happens like that. Like I remember when I went to school, it was crazy. Cause I had my roommate. His name was Debo Demar. He was on scholarship. I came in on full scholarship. That, man, when when you go to Division One schools on full scholarship, the nights you have a meeting, they tell all the scholarship athletes, "All right, after the meeting's over, you go to the next one." All the shit that everybody else have to do, we completely don't have to do. Really? None of this shit. Like, what, prerequisites what would be for, like, okay, like, there are prerequisites for everything. Like, if you want to go into the school of pharmacy, right, mm-hmm. you have to have taken X amount of years of this, X amount of years of that. You feel me? And then you go into the school of pharmacy to major. And then you focus on straight pharmacy shit mm-hmm. because you have all your prerequisites out of the way. I didn't have no prerequisites to requirements. Okay, so you went right into your major. Just tell me, like, what do you want to do? I want to do business. Okay, put them in SBI. Wow. I know people that you have to have an application to get in SBI. Oh, it yeah, to be totally. Yeah. Put them in it's SBI. It's a big deal. Okay, cool. I'm in SBI. I get in SBI, I decide, like, they seriously want me to do work in here. I didn't come here to do that. I don't want to be in SBI. Put them in political science. Let me ask you this. You said earlier that you didn't really go to class. You didn't really go in your, your classes. Hmm. What, uh, so when you get to college, how are you prepared to do the work? You're not. You're not. And they know that. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so when we first got to school, the first night we had a team meeting. After the team meeting, they said, all scholarship athletes go to the next room. So you go to the next room, and the lady say, if you're on full scholarship, stay. If you're on partial or whatever, whatever leave. So all the full scholarship athletes stay in this room. And the ladies tells you, well, when you figure out what you want to do, they give you the room number to go to, tell you who to talk to. And they tell you, you only have to show up the first day of school and on finals. That's it. Make sure you're there the first day class and make sure you're there on finals. You're there to play football. You're here to play ball, man. You're not here for nothing else. Now, they're very serious about when you're playing football. Yeah. I mean, the football side of it, they are not kidding around. What's a football no What's a football schedule like for a full scholarship college athlete? In a day? Yeah, how much of it is football? Is I mean, you get up in the morning, um, depending on what time of the year it is, right? Let's say if you start out in the spring, <coughs> spring mat drills, you get up, drills start at 540 in the morning. You're going to work out from 540 to about 7. 
You're going to leave, go get you something to eat. You probably got class to about 12. But you don't have to. So you're not going to class. I'm going to sleep. Right. Believe when you leave the Madrigals at 7, yo, it's a dead dog ass. I mean, you don't have, you might not even go get nothing to eat. Okay. Like, that's how tired you're going to be. And so at 12 o'clock, we back at the field house. You see what I'm saying? We got mm-hmm. back at the field house. You got tape, uh, bumps and bruises, 12 to 1. You know what I'm saying? You got pre-meetings uh, pre, uh, with your position coach from 1 to 2. You on the field. 2.30 to 6. 2.30 to Shit, 6. We outside. Then we come back at, let's see, 6. is uh, Practice over about 6. Then we come back for film at like 7.38. And you there and film to like 10.30, 11 maybe. So the guys that are going to class, how how are they getting it done? Are they getting assistance? I mean, a lot of people do actually go to class, though. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of dudes really do go to class. Um, With that type of schedule, we got study table. We got we have to go. We have to complete certain many hours of study table. So a lot of the work gets done Mm -hmm. in the study table. But are you sitting there while someone's doing the work? I'm asleep in study table. I'm not even gonna lie to you. We're trying to figure out not to go to study table. Who in there? Because on our name, we doing. Anything we can do to get out of this shit. No, that's not because you don't like school. That's because you don't know what the fuck they're talking about, right? Well, no, it's because I don't want to do this shit because I'm, I'm, I go to class anyway. So what is I'm going to do in study table? But part, part of you is a realist. Part of you knows that the likelihood of going, you know, becoming you know, Barry Sanders very slim. is slim. And you're getting this education. What prevents you from trying to leave with the piece of paper, with the with the... It's degree. not necessarily nothing that prevents you. It just, I guess it would just say it depends on where your focus is at that point. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you in a good space where you, the majority of kids, believe it or not, that graduate actually have good family backgrounds. Okay. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but if you really look at it, I went to school with a couple of dudes, and I'm, I'm really looking at, like, the ones that graduated versus the ones that didn't. Mm-hmm. They had, like, a different family structure. You see what I'm saying? If you... It's kind of like if you um, if you didn't seek, if you didn't set out to obtain a degree. Like when I went to school, I never set out to obtain a degree. Mm-hmm. Like I never, my intention of going to college had nothing to do with learning anything about books. You see what I'm saying? This was a place that I had to go. Right. In order to have an opportunity. To play football. To take care of my family. I knew I wasn't finna be no Valley Victorian or. No, none of that shit. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I'm not a dumb individual, but what I'm saying is my focus never was on any of that. It's interesting to me because we work together on things often, uh, you know, outside of what we're doing here. And you're articulate. You always do your homework. You're uh, when you need to be straight laced. You are. You uh, usually come to things very well prepared. You know. Uh, the background of what we're talking about, the risk involved. Uh, you know, a lot of times we're looking at investments. You know, the story behind it. You've put the right people in the room. So if if we don't have what we need to pull off, whatever we're going to pull off, the right people are in the room. A lot of those things are are those qualities are usually what carries a person through college. And you went into college, and you were like, no, football. That was it. And girls. I mean, that was the. You have to understand my mind state, though, at that point. Oh, I get saying? it, like, dude. I, 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 I understand. My mind state at that point was it, it had nothing to do with I have to get a 3.0. It had everything to do with, okay, 
this week I'm up against a 2-3 zone. They really are good. Or this week I'm up against the number three corner in the country. Like, I got to bring my shit. Like, I got to. I gotta work on my hands. I gotta work on all this little shit. I gotta watch this film. I gotta want. I gotta figure out every little TDC that he does to give me an edge because I have to. I have to dominate this dude. This is this is this is what I need right here. So I didn't have time to be trying to study for a history test and no shit like that. I'm studying for real life tests that's coming every Saturday. And the expense to make you happy probably wasn't a lot for the school. You wanted your mom and family just to have lights and be taken care of, and you wanted to have. Three hots and a cot, and let's but see. Do that's this. the thing about when you go to these programs on full scholarship. That's why I think that had a lot to do with my focus. Because see, they they put you in such a situation where your problems are no longer really problems. Like you feel like my mom, like her health was a problem, but the money was no longer a problem. I could send home two three thousand dollars if I needed to. Like it's nothing. I used to ride around with like three thousand dollars in a little kitten compartment in my car just in case if I was. Got caught somewhere with no money. Like mm-hmm. I had, coach told us, yo, okay, your scholarship check is supposed to be like twenty five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and then you get like, if you get student loans, you can get another twenty. So in total, you're supposed to get like maybe seven thousand dollars for a semester, for a whole semester, a whole semester from That's financial aid and scholarship money. Six right? months, six months, a whole, a whole, the whole year, or the whole half a year, the whole semester. God, that'd be hard to live on. Exactly, it is. But see, our coach was giving us. I was getting like twelve thousand. Up front. And then and then I was getting another like six from the financial aid department from our school. And then coach was like, if you need anything, just let me know. Like he and he he was paying for my my I had an off campus apartment. He was paying my rent, my bills, my utilities. All I had to do was get the fuck up in the morning, make sure I was at the school for football practice to do my thing. It was so decent. They would call us. Me and my boy OJ, they would call us at the store in the mall before they put the new clothes out so we could come pick the shit we want. Like, that's all we did. We shopped and fucked off, like, all the time. And we worked out and we watched film and we shopped and we had a ball. How how different is a college athlete's life on campus? Are you, do you live like a celebrity? In certain, certain circles. See, you have to understand, everybody doesn't know you unless you have that jersey on or that helmet. So you could very well just be walking and nobody will know, notice who you are. Or you could be walking and everybody notice who you are. But it's like when you go to class, it's like the the work, all, everybody's still a kid. You feel me? So, oh, there go Double J. He's good at football. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's dude that's on the team. Like, what's up, man? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not, it's not like when you become adults in the NFL, it's almost like, damn, you got to whisper, like, oh, there's, there's Adrian Peterson. Like, look, it's over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> in college, it's like, there he is, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's Cam. Like, what's up? Because no one has really done, you haven't really taken that next step yet. There's a whole group of very pretty girls that like athletes. Oh, no, that, that right there, that's ridiculous. They know no your lie. names. Off the top. They know your name, where you live at, where you're from, everything about you. They, they, that's one thing I can say. That's why I got to be telling my son, like, that should have slowed you down in a major way. But it's a lot of fun, though. I can't lie. It was a lot of fun. Did you, when you left your neighborhood, you had a perception of privileged races, whites, Jews, whatever. How did your perception change when you went to college racially? Was there but a see, change? that's the thing about it with me. And that's, and like, honestly, I think that, see, before my mom got sick and before my uncle got sick, 
I had a great family, meaning mm-hmm. we didn't have the, the most finances, but it was a tight knit, real family. So I was the things, the way I was raised, and the values that was instilled in me. I don't look at things like everybody else, and maybe it was just my circumstances. So meaning, meaning like you're white, I'm black. I don't look at you like any other way. Like, I respect you. You my guy. Like, I fuck with you. Like, I don't, there's no stipulations that come with that, like, at all. You feel me? So, like, when I left, the culture shock for me was I had never been around that many black people. You see what I'm saying? At one time. Because I went to Florida in the South. Right. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? All these (laughs) niggas down here, what the fuck? And me, I'm from California. We gangbang. If it's more than two sets of groups of niggas in the, or black people in the same area, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be some bullshit in California. You feel me? Like, because somebody's going to do something and somebody, it's going to be some bullshit. So the first night, the first night I got to Tallahassee, I called my mom like, yo, like, mom, like, I don't, I don't know about this. Like, it's a gang of niggas down here. Like, like, yo, for real. Like, and they like, it's a lot of them. Like, I ain't never seen this many black people. Mom, like, she like, you in the South, just chill out. You know what I'm saying? You'll be fine. I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. So I get on the phone with my homie, like, yo, bro, like, y'all niggas might have to come down here, B. These niggas might get to tripping. Like, it's a gang of niggas down here. Like, I was just so overwhelmed with, like, the fact that I had never seen that many black people in one area. And then, and then like, it was like, we went out one night, and I was like, I know it's going to be some bullshit. Cause it's, and then it just it wasn't. Right. And it was just hella, everybody was respectful. Like, everybody was just, you know, it's like family orientated, so to speak. Like, if somebody bumped into you, it was like, oh, man, bro, excuse me, bro, my bad, bro. I didn't mean to bump into you. In California, if somebody bumped into you, it was like, man, get the fuck out of my way. You know what I'm saying? Like, our nigga, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be a problem. Completely different. So, for me, that, like, that threw me all, all the way off. And I'm thinking, like, damn, California niggas must be just tripping. Like, why they act like that? This more niggas over here than over there, and y'all acting. So, like for me, the big culture thing was more so being around my own people, because I grew up with white people. Like, if you'd have sent me to Harvard, I'd have been absolutely in heaven. I'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. Palm Springs is like Harvard. I grew up around rich people my whole life. My homeboy's dad was a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? This dude, mom a doctor. My homeboy uh, dad run the museum. They house big as hell. You know, I grew up like that. With that kind of economic. <clears throat> Excuse me. That kind of economic difference can make. Pe- I mean, in California, there are a lot of. I mean, their haves are crazy haves. They have it all, and so when you have groups of people that are fighting over a very small piece of the pie, it isn't like that in Texas and in Atlanta. Hmm. I mean, there are wealthy people, but the contrast isn't as. It's stark. not. Yeah, it's not you know, as it's, vast. It's, it's big way different. It's way, because see, in California, it's California is like. In California, I always tell people like, if you. Come to Cal- Okay, you know, like they say in New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? Okay, so in California, it's like, if you could hustle and you could win in California, you could do it anywhere. Because you have to understand, like, California is one of the most cutthroat, like... It's competitive. Yeah, like, every in every aspect of it. Like, well, each one of those neighborhoods supports the wealthy's drug habits, so each neighborhood is very protective over whatever area they're servicing, so everybody's paranoid. That's when the everybody's competing. That's when the gangs come in. <clears throat> the gangs come in to protect the economics because that's the only money really coming into the neighborhood. That's it. And that's so it. then you go to college, and these guys are like, "Don't even care where you're from. Could give two shits." And see, that's the crazy part, right? About college, it's like 
you gangbang your whole life and then like you you realize that this is like okay this is it and then you go to school and it's like my best friend is a blood his name is snook he's from cavanella park Paru, which is one of the most predominant gangs in la blood gangs i've been to his neighborhood i've hung out with his neighborhood and with his homies and they love me like a brother and so like it was just like i guess to answer that question like i guess that's when you grow out of it when you realize like man look this whole time i've been not liking you because you were red and at the same time like you're cool as hell like you a real good dude like why would i let the fact that you grew up over there stop us from hanging out because i grew up over here and you cool as hell you can still see it in you though like from my point you can still see like even my buddy, who will come on, like I said, in a couple of weeks, he always tells people exactly where he's from. I'm from Culver City. He's he lived in Minnesota probably more than half his life. You're going to always rep that. You're going to yep. always. Because I mean, that's, that's the everything. Seas, like the, the Culver yeah. City C's and shit that he throws. And he's very serious and passionate about it. When somebody tells him where he's from, they know. And I don't. And I'm so square. Like I don't understand the value of the things he's talking about. When right. he, if somebody's a, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. A Cervano. Am I saying it right? Cervano. Yeah. The Mexicans. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's from Culver City, and and those two things alone are supposed to tell you a lot about who yeah, he is. Yeah. See. Okay. So he's a he's a Southsider. Okay. The the, the, the are the Southsiders, and the Northerners are the Northerners, the Northern mm-hmm. Mexicans. So when you go into the prison system, that's major. You have to understand, they run different sections. The Nortanos, they run their shit. And the, 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 the um, Sudanos. The Sudanos, they run their shit. And it's like, if he's telling you that that's his affiliation, you got to respect that. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's basically what that means. Like, okay, I'm a so and so and such and such. So you got to respect that. Because if you don't, then you know what comes with the disrespect. And that, that same culture followed you until you went to college. Yeah, it still follows me to this day. Huh. Like in conversations, individuals just like you'll meet somebody and they're like, Yeah, I'm from Chicago, I'm from so and so vice lord. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And he's telling you, like, this is where I'm from, this is what I stand for. This is who we can hang out with, these this are the neighborhoods we can with. go to. You feel me? Like this is you so by me telling you I'm from Gateway Crip, that means that number one, I'm I'm a blue rag and I'm from this organization and I'm a reputable member from this organization. So if you disrespect me or my organization, then you know what come with that because I just told you where I'm from. Just like my boy Snook, he's from Capanella Park, Peru. That's where he's from. He a blood. He going to say swoop. He going to say boop. He going to say all the blood shit that the blood say. Now, when me and him is talking, he don't do that to me. Right. And when me and him is talking, I don't do that to him. It's respect and it's love. You feel me? I done been to this, mom, to this dude's mom's birthday party with their whole family. You feel me? And family pictures with this man. This is like my best friend, and he's from a blood hood. So when when you start to understand that, see, the thing about it is when you got in, in neighborhoods when you're growing up, you brainwash. You see 10 people every day, 10 people every day throwing up the same sign, saying the same thing. Well, you three years old. You see this at four years old. You see this at five years old, six years old. Well, by the time you're seven and eight, now you're doing the same thing. Well, and they're supporting you. They start yeah, supporting they you like you family, how to do this shit. and you're making. Yeah. You know, other kids are working for four bucks an hour, and you just made two hundred dollars in fifteen minutes. Easy. It's a different deal. Somebody mess with you, somebody gonna be there to help you. 
<laughs> somebody talks to you the wrong somebody way. Somebody says something somebody... crazy to you. Somebody gonna step in for you. Okay. If you get if you if you get into a fight and they get the best of you, somebody gonna help you out. I think the average person has a has a maybe their hands around half or maybe seventy five percent of what you're saying. They can maybe understand the culture and being brainwashed. They can maybe understand the drug dealing. They can maybe understand not having a lot of money at home. They can maybe understand your your school structure. But the whole thing put together in the same bowl and then seeing how really isolated you are from being able to see your way out of this whole thing is is what I think a lot of people can't conceptualize. All they got to do is look at it like this. In a sense, it's like when you work for a corporation, right, and you sign a contract, they say, you sell TVs for us. We major. We Samson. Mm-hmm. Samson is a gang. Okay. Sony is a gang. They make TVs. If you work for Samson, right, if you grew up, let's say if you grew up in China, right across the street from the man that owns Samson, and he hiring, you're going to go work for Samson. You're not going to get in your car and drive an hour across town to Sony to make the same ways that you can make walking across the street doing the same thing. And there's probably a non-compete with Samsung, so you're probably not really able to go work for Sony you without having saying? your whole family murdered or You something. see what I'm saying? So it's the sim- <laughs> similar with the gang, right? The non-compete comes in with this, right? You can't switch. I can't. Me and Snook have a great relationship. I can't go be a Capanella Park Piru. Mm-hmm. I can't. You're not from there. I'm not from there. There's laws that are the street laws that's disrespectful. It's the things that aren't good with that. No different from when you sign a contract that say after you quit, you can't sell any more TVs for the next five years. Right. <laughs> you should have I, I get it. It's a similar it's like that would be like kind of a look at it like corporations or gangs. You have Samson, Hitachi, Mitsubishi. They all are at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, they segregated at Best Buy because Samson shit is in this hood. Uh, LG shit is in this hood. You see what I'm saying? You're never going to see a Samson TV in an LG hood. Right. Because Samson don't fuck with LG. Now, your son doesn't know anything about this life. Absolutely He is not. a total cake eater. He is a square as ABC yeah. block, SpongeBob Jr. And when you, you can't really even convey it to him. I mean, he's not gonna get it. You could even take him back there, I and he him, wouldn't pick up on it. I took him. I took my son to the hood, and he he didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. He don't. Why don't they just wear nicer clothes, Dad? <laughs> my my son said that um, he asked one of the other boys if what he was gonna eat for dinner. My son said, told him he wanted to eat salmon, and the boy looked at him like, "What the fuck is salmon?" Right. <laughs> I'd like some salmon. salmon. I'm on a I'm on a pure protein diet right now. We're talking about something like I want salmon. Like, what is salmon? And you're like, Dad, he don't know what salmon is. The son, he don't they probably haven't had salmon. Like he doesn't my right. son is so green to the shit, like he doesn't even understand. And he, he gets doesn't. he gets though he he gets the understanding and he, he sees the difference. And your whole goal was to make sure he knew nothing about it. That's it. And at the same time, uh, there's going to be, you know, understand as he grows up, you guys are going to have a little bit different value system because you have seen how bad it can get. And he's, we kinda, already do. He's kind of precious. He doesn't, we get already it get into it about this shit. All right. He know, I've been through and we already, I, we get into it because I, I'd be so hard on him. I tell him, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, here, yeah, clean your shoes. You know what I'm saying? He don't understand what's the big deal. Well, shit, I didn't have but one pair of shoes. You see what I'm saying? I just recently bought a pair of Vans, and I, I didn't wear Vans for like 20-some years because I told myself I'd never buy no more Vans. It's all I could afford to wear mm-hmm. when I was young. Vans. You know what I'm saying? So he has no clue. But that's the blessing in it is the growth. I feel like everybody, um, as a parent, your job is to make sure your kid goes further than you and and has a better experience than you did. So for me right now, I'm I'm totally happy with the fact that he doesn't know anything about it or nothing. I mean he's he tries to be cool, but he's not he's he's gonna do the right shit. Like he ain't gonna be I wouldn't let him. Man, I uh I've met him. He is very much like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> he was in my office. Uh, it wasn't five minutes, and he was leaving with with toys. I mean, he he knew exactly how to talk to people and how to read people, and he is he's a very smart little guy. Man. He's a lot bigger though. When I saw, I mean, it's been a, it's been a minute since I've seen him because you keep him pretty he's busy. Huge now, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's talk. Let's go back to football a little bit. How good were you? I know it's hard for guys to say, but you kind of have a good barometer. For I could have made it to the NFL. Um, it to be totally honest with you, the sky probably was the limit for me, and that's been said to uh, numerous amounts of people. But see, my whole thing was, I had, I had gotten to a point where football had became so easy to me. You feel me? Like I didn't put in the extra work, okay? Because I could get by just with my natural talent, like just you were, naturally. What were what were what did you play in college? I played receiver and DB. Receiver and D back, and how? So in college, how good were you? I was good in college. I just, I um, I would say honestly, on a, on a real scale, I had like a mediocre college career because I didn't really apply the work ethic to the shit. So you were frustrating. Your coaches were frustrated by you a little bit because you would go there and do what you were supposed to do, but that's all you did, right? No, they, well, see, it wasn't the thing. They was they weren't frustrated. It was like it was more. I would perform. No problem. Like, I'm going to do my thing. It's that day frustration came when they wanted you to stay out to practice and do some push-ups with the receivers. I'm gone. Right. You feel me? Like, I got, I got some shit to do. The extra gotta, you weren't doing. I'm cool. I was – I was, and that was – in retrospect, that was, the, that was my biggest downfall was my, my attitude towards work. And right. that's why now I'm so hard on my son about working hard. Well, and you're a hard worker now. Now. Yeah. But see, that's 10 years removed. You feel me? Like – been different yeah but you saw guys graduate you saw guys come back and try to hang around the team and they didn't have the same team money they didn't go on to school when Mm -mm. did it kick on for you that was like holy shit and see that's the thing it kind of i was living by the time i got to 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 college in florida and and i had got um some financial it was the first time i had ever had any money Mm -hmm. like ever you feel me like i never had no real money i could just Live. Is that because when you were working, when you were working at home, or or you know, obviously you were hustling. Everything was for the bills. In in the because it's so competitive, there wasn't the same amount that could be made. Right. You weren't making. You weren't doubling or tripling your money. You You were like, if I can get ten bucks on this and ten bucks on that, and I can do it enough times, I'm good. I'm good. And every once in a while, you'd find a sucker, and you were like, yes. Real talk. Or you would. Every so often, it would be wild situations that happen in the streets, man. A lot of shit happens in the streets. So then you go to Florida and you you're getting almost pure profit, 
You're relaxed. Your family's taken care of. You're actually able to kind of be a kid. For a second, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, for a second, you can breathe. And it's like, okay, shit. Like, it really is, like, happiness and, like, peace in the world. You know, because, like, growing up, you just don't experience that. So it's hard to believe. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really becomes hard to believe. So you grow. Now I'm in a situation where I can just relax, right? I don't have to worry. And I'm off by myself. You know what I'm saying? Now, now my focus went from, all right, I got to make it. So take care of my mom to, like, oh, I was like, shit is cool. Like, it'll be cool. I'm in here. I'm playing sports. Uh, before I go to the league, I can make a little more bread. I'm good enough to do this shit. So I'm just going to relax and have fun now. And that's when I start doing the shit I miss. You know what I'm saying? Like the partying, mm-hmm. the drinking, you know what I'm saying? Like the the spring. I had never been to a spring break. I got to go to Panama City, you know what I'm saying? Spring hang out with my, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it was crazy. Like like I'm hanging with my guys, like, and they they my white boys, they doing real white boy shit, and I'm having a ball, you know what I'm saying? I done passed out in the truck drunk, you know what I'm saying? Like I done just real College kid shit. Like I never had that opportunity to do before. You know what I'm saying? It was just the funnest shit ever. Can you, you know tell me? Can you tell me? Can you describe for the for the court? <laughs> what is real white boy shit? I mean, like, man, we in the back of the truck, right? You feel me? Like the flatbed truck. Right. Like four deep in the back of the truck with the Hennessy bottle, you know what I'm saying? And they Pisces. I mean not not Pisces, they pikes. Pike. They they're pike uh, pike calva alpha. And we screaming, Pike Calva Alpha, bitch. We just having just a just imagine a college just party like we having this shit. Yeah, in the I car. went to spring break. It was you fun. I wasn't in a frat, but we had a I great time. I never had. I wasn't in a frat neither, but I hung out with them. They was my real good friends. You know what I'm saying? So we, I just had a ball with them. Like I, I understand like how the white boy wasted the whole shit. I get it. Like I get it. Like <laughs> like for real, for real. Like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, and that's one thing yeah, too. I always I prided it. myself on being a well-rounded person. So meaning like. I'll go hang with the Mexicans. I'll go hang with blacks. I'll go hang with whites. I'll go hang with anybody. You feel me? Like, I, I always wanted to be um, a privilege to just different cultures of people. So that's why. But I, I went on spring break with the Pisces, all white fraternity. They love me to death. I used to go to their parties. They used to invite me up to their parties, man. No, oh, man, it was a ball. You're a character. You're a likable fellow. So that's. Yeah, you feel me? I Call James. To, I tried to be. Yeah, real talk. They used to yeah. be like, man, Jay, come down to the party. We have a party at the house, man. Come on. You got to come. Oh, man, we go up there. Needless to say, it wasn't no class being made. So did you, you play with anybody that, that, that made the show? Went to the league, yeah. Uh, a couple guys. Chris Cash I played with. Uh, Joe Hall I played with. Uh, he went to the league. Let's see who else went to the league. And, uh, one of my real good friends, uh, Nicoa McElworth, he went to the league, played for Seattle. Um, How long did they last? Do they last the four years? See, Cash played like seven, eight years. He played DB. He went to SC out of, uh, out of JUCO. And then he went to Atlanta and Detroit. And then uh, T. Gray, which is a friend of mine, he he wound up. I think he played a year, and now he was he was the Vikings recruiter for like seven eight years. I think they just he just got a job in Kansas City doing the same thing. Yeah. But a lot of the guys I played with, they went on to do a lot of different things. But a couple of them made it to the league. Now you you didn't play in a um, you did not play in a official NFL game, but you were signed to the practice squad. Yeah. Which is actually fairly lucrative. Yeah, it was cool. Got like like eight thousand or some shit every week. Yeah, it was all cool. year, all year. Yep. Um, if you stay, uh, if you get to activate it, if you get on the active roster, then they bump you up. I think league minimum then was like two hundred and fifteen thousand. 
So that's so uh, like twenty thousand a month, something like that. Twenty thousand a week, twenty thousand a week. Yeah, yeah. it's good money back in them days. But so you are. How do we? How do we make? How do we go from a? Because the college wasn't a superstar college. Did you guys go to any bowl games? Yeah, we had a bowl game. Uh, we played in the in a Atlantic Classic a couple times. But how I got my opportunity to the league was a dude named Jeff Robinson. He was the director of pro scout personnel for the Vikings. And then there was a dude named Louie who had passed away. Um, he knew some of my family members. Mm-hmm. And they was talking to him about my situation. So he actually took the time to look into it himself. And then he put me with he got me with Jeff Robinson, which at the time was the Vikings guy. Okay. The pro personnel director. Yep. And that's how I got that look. So you got to look, and because not many guys, you had to go to camp. Yep. Not a lot. There's a lot of guys at camp. Yeah. Very camp few, and those practice crowded. squad positions are scarce. There are not a lot of guys in the practice it's squad. It's almost like a preferred welcome. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like if you get, like when you go to college, either you get a scholarship, full, partial, or they give you a preferred welcome. Meaning, like you got a welcome, like you're privileged to be here, but we're gonna treat you a little better than a regular welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's kind of how camp go. So if, you, if you get an invitation, you there, but you not solidify like this draft pick. Yeah, there were. Well, I so from the outside as a sports fan, you know, you pretty much are assured at least the first five rounds are going to make the team. Six and seven, those draft picks have a chance. Sometimes to be cut. they'd be getting cut though at like two Some, and three. Yeah, sometimes, some sometimes it's rare a two gets cut. Yeah, because all of two a sudden general, be a man, one, really. general managers start getting. Can you can, fuck up the second or third round pick? But uh, uh, so you know you've got a, a forty man roster mm-hmm. in the pros, and then what do they have? Eleven practice squad? Uh, about eight. It was like eight. Eight. So that's eight. that's I and mean, there's not a lot of guys, but over two hundred people will be invited through mini camps and the actual camp, and then they're cutting. You know, I mean, isn't the first cut? They cut like, it down to fifty six at the end, but the first cut I think is like a four or six man cut. I think. Yeah, I thought I thought the first cut was a huge cut. I thought it was a one's like a six, and then there's like a twelve guys that leave. And on the real, you did when you dealing with that shit, you don't even think about that shit. You just hope they don't come knock on your door. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Sense. So you're you're in now. You got not well in the practice squad. You do actually get. Do you get released? Or do they just say, I didn't, hey, I not- honestly didn't make it that far, to be honest with you, because my uncle passed away, um, and I just left. I quit doing everything. I stopped playing football. I went home. Isn't that insane? To a certain degree, yeah, but like I said, like you got to understand, like I only have three people in my whole entire family. So you're, so you're in the middle of camp. They tell you you've lost basically a father figure. That's it. You're like, I got to go. I left the next day. And... Based on your performance, they still were like, practice squad. I actually had an opportunity to come back, but I just never. How do you feel about that? In retrospect, man, I I, I wish I would have went back for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I had I had lost the love to really, like that was my, like that, that man meant a lot to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he. Like he was like a lot of my motivational reason for doing this shit. Because he was like, go to football. And he's I didn't your biggest want to play fan. football. Like I didn't want. I never liked football, ever. Okay. I was gonna play basketball, and that was it. Like if I didn't make it, fuck it, I get a job, whatever. Right. And so you go home, and your grand, your uncle's passed away, and your mom and aunt are, are still in California. 
You've left the NFL. There's an expectation set because everybody knew you were at the Vikings camp. Mm-hmm. And you come home, people understand, but do they really? Did you feel like everybody understand? Did your mom understand you not going back to the team? I mean, it's, it, it, it kind of gets to be one of them things where nobody really asks you shit about it. Don't talk to me about it. They can yeah, tell you. They already happy. know what it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like when, when something like that happens and like people that's close to me know the relationship that I had with my uncle. You know what I'm saying? So when something like that happened, it was like nobody, to this day, nobody. I have had a conversation about it. You understand, I know you back then and I'm throwing you in the car and taking yeah. you back to Minnesota, right? I'm, I never had a conversation about it at all. Do like you, looking back, do you think that some of those people deep down were happy that you weren't going to oh, go? Absolutely. Nobody, you got to understand, man, when you, especially when you come from nothing and you around a bunch of people that come from nothing, nobody wants you to succeed unless they succeed. You know what I'm saying? Unless yeah. they make it. So if you have opportunity to make it or whatever, and, and for whatever reason, it's always, you know, you got people that are always going to feel <clears throat> some sort of a, thrill about that well you were you, you, you when you succeed it means they could have su- succeeded and when you come back and haven't and that that's cutting you short you succeeded and had a life circumstance happen and it changed your life that's different what's interesting is you went back and you didn't stay back you came back to minnesota why i couldn't stay home honestly <laughs> i couldn't stay there didn't want to be there I, or I feel like I, I feel as though I had outgrown my whole environment. Because, okay. see, once you, it is like um, if you live in a little bitty bowl your whole life and then that's all you know, and then when you they throw you into a big-ass lake and you've seen so much more, you know, you've experienced so much more, you've met so many different people, like so many different things have changed your views and how you look at shit, and then you come back and then it's like when I came back home, it was like I never left. Yeah. Like people was doing the exact same shit every day. Like right now, today, if I go home right now, I could tell you by the time of day, I can tell you what everybody's doing in my neighborhood without even being there. Because they're stuck. It's nothing they're to do. stuck. Man, I got people in my neighborhood that haven't went no further than 40 miles from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They won't go nowhere. And, and I, But you understand why. It's not like you're critical of them. You understand that... Due to, I mean, you first of all, you got to try anything new. You and I know better than anybody. If you do not have resources, nobody gives a shit. See, a lot of times it's not even about your resources, it's about you. And that's what a lot of people, like, see, my situation, I could look at, I can honestly tell anybody, right? I can honestly tell anybody, like, it ain't your situation. Like, it's not your circumstances, bro. It's you. Like you, I, yeah, I that's the, true. I you, could probably have had probably like the worst circumstances and the worst situations out of nine out of ten people in life. Like I done been through so much shit that is probably like uh, sometimes I sit there and think about the shit I've been through and I'd be like, damn, you really lived through that? Like how did you make it through that? It's like, a credit. Crazy, it, it's a bro. it's a credit to your character. Yes, that you were able to see it as I can do this. But when you, I mean, I understand the person that's sitting there like. I can't work across town because I can't afford a car. I can't get car insurance. I can't even afford to take the test. I but, have to keep paying for the thing, these though. people. With all that being said, okay, this is real life now, right? You're in the hood. You can hustle. You're going to hustle anyway. You're hustling for bullshit. You're hustling for Jordans and T-shirts. So instead of hustling for Jordans and T-shirts, put your hustle on, on maximum and hustle and get you a car so you can get a job if that's what you really want to do. See, what the, at the end of the day, 
what it boils down to is is a desire. It's a, a thought there of a desire. It's not really a true desire. Because when it's time for the shit to start happening and manifesting itself, you gotta put the work in, then that's when you see if your desire is real. You see what I'm saying? Like when it was for me, when it was time to go play sports or whatever it was I had to do, if I knew that this was the benefit or better in my life, then I put in the right amount of work to make that happen. You see what I'm saying? But what happens is we come and we become uh, complacent and comfortable. No different with me when I got to school. I had been so much under so much pressure my whole entire life. It was like, now the pressure's lifted. So now it's like, oh, shit, I can chill out now. And that's when you stop your hard, serious grind that got you where you are. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like for me, anything that you want to do, within reason, I'm going to say, because a lot of shit that they tell you, you just can't do. Like, I don't, I mean, a lot of shit you can't do. I think that that's one of the biggest lies. You can do anything you want to do. I don't believe that. Because a lot of shit they limit you from doing. Yeah. But the shit they allow you to do, you can make it happen. You just got to be persistent. You got to understand that it ain't going to happen how you think it up. The shit usually don't happen how you think it up. Man, you know, I could, I had so many things that I wanted to talk to you about and questions I wanted to talk to you about. And uh, I want to talk to you about your son. I want to talk to you about all this stuff. We are kind of reaching the point in our podcast where we kind of let our listeners take a break because uh, uh, usually our shows are about an hour, hour and a half, and we are at the hour and a half park. I need you to, I need, you got to come back. I have so I'm much more to talk to you about. Whenever you, man, you know what I do. I'm finna chill and go smoke me some weed. <laughs> and whenever you need me to show up again. Well, we work a lot. You and I usually uh, have lots of trouble syncing up because we are all both, you know, workaholics. Running around, yeah, yeah. Man. I do a lot of ripping and running. Uh, how would you feel if I could bring you back, say, uh, two, three weeks? Because I have, I have a couple questions, man. I always have questions. I'm with it whenever. I'm free, man. I'll make that time. Well, James, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I was James Hamilton. I'm James Jackson. Thanks for listening. Why don't you follow us on Twitter at When Life Attacks or Facebook When Life Attacks Podcast. Or you can look directly at our blog, which is whenlifeattackspodcast.com. Why are you walking away from me, coach? You've never walked away from anything in your life. I know you. You don't know shit. I know everything. I know what Butch McRae's mother wants. I know you've got a kid named Neon Badeau being tutored by your ex-wife. I know what Ricky Rowe is going to want. I know the amount of money that it's going to take to buy out your contract is the same that it's going to take to get Butch and Ricky to sign letters of intent. We don't buy athletes. Now, let me tell you something in case you don't know. Our football team, ranked in the top ten for the last eight years, has got a linebacker, a tailback, an offensive tackle, two safeties, and a quarterback, all recruited by friends of the program. I don't like football. They're all graduating this year. We're clean. My money is untraceable. It's been washed, scrubbed, laundered within an inch of its life. You got a future in politics, asshole. Why don't you run for office? These athletes generate millions of dollars for the university. What do they get? Nothing. What do you get? You get a multi-year contract. You get a six-figure shoe deal so your team can be a walking billboard. And that is all legal. And then you get another six figures for that lousy TV show. Get out of my face. We owe them this money. We owe it to them!